0: It's Friday, August 24th, and this is The Daily Dive. After searching for University of Iowa student Molly Tibbetts for more than a month, her body was found earlier this week, and Christian Rivera, who was not in the country legally, has been charged with her death. Gary Barrett, reporter for WHO Radio in Iowa, will join us for more details on how home surveillance footage was the break in the case that led investigators to her murderer next, how valuable do you think your personal data is on the black market? Hackers are always trying to steal things like medical records, credit card numbers, and social security numbers. But you might be surprised how little some of it is worth, despite how damaging it might be for you. Megan Lenhart, senior money writer at CNBC Make It, joins us for more on the black market worth of your personal data. Finally, let's say it's midnight and you want a steak, a really good steak, and everything is closed. What do you do? Well, thanks to Applestone Meat Company, you can go to one of their 24-7 meat vending machines. You can get anything from beef to pork to lamb and sausages. Kate Crater, food editor at Bloomberg News, joins us for more on why you might soon be buying your steaks from a vending machine. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in.
1: You heard about today with the illegal alien coming in very sadly from Mexico. And you saw what happened to that incredible, beautiful young woman.
0: Should have never happened. Joining us now is Gary Barrett, reporter and anchor for WHO Radio in Iowa. So it was only a few days ago that we found the body of Molly Tibbetts. She was a 20-year-old University of Iowa student. There was a more than a month-long investigation trying to find her. We just received uh, some news. The Iowa State Medical Examiner had conducted an autopsy, and initially they said we probably wouldn't receive anything for a few weeks, but they did come out with a little bit from their preliminary findings. What did they say, Gary? Gary.
1: Well, it's kind of a tease because they didn't say exactly what killed her, but they said that her cause of death is multiple sharp force injuries, which would indicate it could be either a knife or a pick or something like that that caused her death. That's all they're releasing anyway. They're holding the facts pretty close to their chest right now.
0: Take us back to the investigation. They were searching for her for over a month, and the break in the investigation really came when they got some security footage from somebody's house, and they were able to connect the dots there.
1: There was a little bit of confusion we don't know exactly how long they've had that security footage, and it may be that it was in the context that originally they were looking for Molly. They weren't looking for a killer, but they were able to find security footage that showed her running the night that she disappeared. They saw this car that kept going by. It was a Chevy, a Malibu. that kept circling around, it appeared in that area. And then they found that the Malibu was owned by this person who is identified as uh, Christian Rivera, they brought him in on Monday of this week. That's how long it took to sift through all this stuff and to find information. I'm assuming that it took a long time to wade through the bureaucracy of immigration to find out exactly who he was, to trace back all of the information. And I'm sure they've done a pretty good thorough job on this, but they didn't find him until Monday and it wasn't until Tuesday morning that he led them to the body, which was found in a cornfield about 20-30 feet from the road but it had been covered up with corn stalks and corn leaves so that it wouldn't have been seen from an aerial shot and probably could have easily just been passed over by people that were out doing the physical search
0: right yeah as the story goes christian rivera they caught his car pacing back and forth in the video they said that he was following her a little bit he tried to get out and talk to her she said hey i you know leave me alone i'm going to call the cops and he got angry And at that point, he told investigators that he blacked out, which he does often when he gets angry or something. He comes to and he remembers that the body is in his trunk of his car. And then he said he put her in the cornfield and covered up with the corn stalks and everything.
1: He indicated that he had blacked out. And the only thing that he remembered was opening the trunk and there was her body. He saw in the seat next to him in his car, her uh, earphones that were bloodied. And that, I guess, triggered the memory to go check the trunk. And that's when he... Popped the trunk and saw her body and carried it out to the cornfield.
0: Christian Rivera is not in the country legally, but he was working at a local farm out there where he submitted some documents, I guess an ID and a social security number. The owners of the farm there thought they were checking it through the E-Verify system, but apparently that wasn't the case. It was just kind of a social security administrative system. And if you're providing false documents and the social security number checks out, it checks out. It's a valid social security number. But I guess there was a mix up there and he had been working at this farm for a few years. Yeah,
1: he had. And there's been a lot of speculation all over the state about how he got his ID whether it was stolen, whether it was a state-issued ID card, because that was what some media outlets reported. But the Iowa Department of Transportation says that they have checked not only the name, but they've also checked facial ID because every state-issued ID has a picture associated with it, and they cannot find any individual where an ID was supplied in the state of Iowa. So it had to come outside of the state of Iowa. And they've said that they're able to issue a license to people uh, Considered temporary foreign nationals, but they have to register with immigration to do that. So all of this indicates that it probably was an illegal ID of some sort, either stolen or obtained from someone
0: else. And the owners of the farm said he was a good worker, nobody ever knew anything. And then even after Molly Tibbetts was killed and everything, he went back to work and they said everything was cool. Like nobody noticed anything different about him.
1: But one thing they did say is they didn't know him by that name. They did not right. know him as Christian Rivera. They haven't said what the name was, but they said they didn't know him by that name. And they had no reason to suspect anything at that point. They uh, assumed that he'd been vetted properly and like every other worker that,
0: that's there. The story of Molly Tibbetts was very tragic and, and the community there rallied around the family, and really. Intense searches and trying to find her. And you're going to hear a lot more about Molly Tibbetts and Christian Rivera as the months go. Unfortunately, these things always get politicized uh, right away. The president has talked about it, the White House, through Sarah Huckabee Sanders. The governor there in Iowa have all said, you know, if we had stronger immigration policies This thing could have been averted, possibly. Right away, these things happen, but increasingly, you're going to be hearing these names tied to this issue. Gary Barrett, reporter and anchor for WHO Radio in Iowa. Thank you very much for joining us.
2: Sure. Congress has not done anything. To hold equifax accountable for losing 145 million consumer files the equifax hack gave up golden information it gave the full financial dna of consumers that could be used to
0: get credit in your name joining us now is megan lenhart senior money writer for cnbc make it we saw your article i loved it immediately is something i've always been curious about how valuable am i on the black market When there's these huge data breaches and hackers steal your personal information, such as social security numbers, medical records, all that stuff, how much is it worth on the black market? So what do we know about this?
3: We know that these hacks are actually incredibly lucrative for hackers, certainly when they approach the situation, there's a cost-benefit analysis. It's not incredibly easy to hack these systems, but they stand to make millions, if not billions, off of the data that they are hacking and grabbing. There is sort of a misalignment between what we think as a consumer is valuable versus actually what hackers can make off of it. So to your point, a social security number, which quite frankly, I'm not gonna advertise anywhere. I certainly don't (laughs) want a hacker getting that. So I think that's probably one of my more valuable pieces of information. But in fact, it's actually medical records and your passport information that really actually sell for the most amount of money on the black market.
0: Let's run through some of these sensitive pieces of our data and how much it's worth for a hacker and then what they do with it. Social security number. Let's start there.
3: As always, there's sort of a range on these things. I think it kind of depends on what the breach is and how savvy the fraudster who's who's selling it in the marketplace, of course. But let's just start with social security number. We all know that that's the baseline for your identity. So that actually only goes for about 2 to $25. And really, it's usually sold for identity theft purposes. So if you're going to go out and you're going to start to build a profile on somebody, obviously the first step is to get their social security number. And $2, then the next step, though? of course, is a driver's license. Right. That's a little bit more. Maybe you're going to get a minimum of $10 to $20 for that. And again, this is just, you know, another building block because this also usually has your picture on it, which is a nice way to get, get into the system.
0: They'll use those for fake IDs or just get into the system verification since it has your picture and everything. How about credit exactly. cards?
3: Credit cards are actually about the same cost as your driver's license. So 10 20 bucks. And these are the kind of things that you'll pick up actually fairly easily for hackers through the skimming at the gas station, the magnetic strip gets picked up. You now have the credit card information. It's also, quite frankly, the easiest to shut down once you notice things are happening. And banks will certainly refund you the money once they find out what's going on. Banking information is a little bit more. It's between $10 and $25. And that's actually used for things where perhaps the end criminal wants to use it for a loan or opening accounts or maybe somehow getting access to PayPal and other cryptocurrency type of transactions. But again, banks really are trying to be on top of this type of breach. It's gonna be a quick hit and they're probably not gonna be able to use it long-term.
0: Here's the big money items right here, healthcare and medical records and then your passport information. How much are these worth and what are they using for?
3: For health records and medical records, it really does range. It's probably the widest range. It can be anywhere from 10 to $1,000, perhaps even more. And it really depends on the robustness of the record. So if it's just your name and perhaps uh, annual physical, it's not going to be worth a whole lot. But other medical records, particularly if you've been seeing the doctor for a long time, it's going to have everything from your name, your information, your contact information, sensitive medical information, probably your social security number, and usually some kind of payment information as well. That is the one-stop shop for criminals. And unfortunately, a lot of these medical systems are fairly antiquated. So they may be a little bit easier to hack.
0: There have been stories in the news where people are installing ransomware at these hospitals and then saying, hey, pay us a bunch of Bitcoin and we'll unlock your system. Hospitals are easy to hack. And then passport information. That's probably another one of the best things that a hacker can get from you.
3: It absolutely is, because it's something that, again, it's going to take you a while to figure out that this is going on. And so they can craft an identity using that information. And you might not catch on as quickly. And so it's able to be used in multiple scams. And
0: then finally, how do these hackers actually sell your info? People in the industry call them darknet markets. It sounds so you know so creepy, but what, what are they doing? How do they how do they sell your stuff?
3: It's very similar. I, I really liked it. I, I spoke with Dan Smith from Radware, and he likened it to a Craigslist, which I really thought was a really great analogy because I think we've all been on Craigslist at some point. Essentially, there's a lot of online marketplace and forums where you can sit there and post saying, "Hey, I have so many different IDs or whatever. Here's the data file and they just require really basic verifications before they're able to actually proceed with the sale. It can happen pretty quick.
0: And after that, it's just the buyer's market who's ever interested in getting some stolen information. The highest bidder goes, exactly. I'm assuming. Wow. And that's why these. it's always so important to keep an eye out for these data breaches and know where the possibility of your information is going to be at. You know, you always have to monitor it, monitor your credit cards, all that stuff. You just got to keep on top of everything so you don't get caught up in any situations like this. Megan Lenhart, senior writer for CNBC Make It. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank
2: you. In the very beginning, he didn't even charge people for it. Like, I think he just wanted to see how it would work. Wow. And the demand was astonishing. I guess if you're going to get free good quality beef or pork, people will grab it.
0: Joining us now is Kate Crater, food editor at Bloomberg News. It was a few years ago that over here in the L.A. area, everybody was making a big to-do about these cupcake ATMs from a, <laughs> from a place called Sprinkles. And people were like, who's going to go to an ATM vending machine type thing and buy cupcakes? And you know what? Everybody turned out. There's still lines for them. And everybody loves it. And the next thing you could be buying from a vending machine now could be steaks, high-quality steaks. First,
2: Oscar, I have to ask if you have actually stood on that ATM cupcake line. I did. That's my I first did. question. No, I really Yay. did. I had to
0: go see how good they were, and, and they're very good.
2: I think no matter what, you can go skeptical, and then I do, like, sprinkles cupcakes, although Cupcake ATM, is the <laughs> that name, is, like, definitely asking for trouble. Right. So, yeah, but this Applestone Meat Company which is based in this actually groovy part of New York near Woodstock, which has become a very fashionable place for people to have country houses. This meat purveyor had a processing center and it was such a small town where he was, people would come and knock on the door because they knew that he had steak inside, but he didn't have a retail component. And he was trying to figure out what was the best way to get people steak, to be able to sell steak without having to hire staff or build a store. And he grew up in New York a long time ago and there were these horn and hard art. I don't know if you know them, but they're these really old school retro. They were big in the cities in the 50s. There was almost no people working there that you could see, but you would open a window and you could get your sandwich or your cup of soup or your cup of coffee. It was all automated. And he thought about that and he thought, hmm, maybe there's something here. So he put two and two together, or steak and machine together, basically.
0: You're right. These little vending machines that you you push the button and the carousel turns and you can make your choice and everything like that. It cuts down on so much cost. They're already cutting down the meat. It just made sense to portion it out and put it into a vending machine like that that's
2: exactly right and the other thing is it frees the consumer up because instead of trying to run to get to the butcher shop at seven o'clock before closing if you want to get a steak at two o'clock in the morning or you last minute decide you need one on Sunday after it's closed you can just go and you and there's a big assortment not one of those small vending machines it's an industrial size ones and they have an even bigger one coming
0: the owners of this is a Joshua Applestone and he's a fourth-generation butcher so he's been in the business for a long time he knows what he's doing he knows how to cut down the meats price-wise. How does this fare with going to your local butcher down the street?
2: You're actually absolutely right about Joshua Applestone. Before he did this, he started a company called Glaciers. I'm not sure if you know about it in LA, but it has a lot of cred here. He's one of like this cult of butchers who created this great, he did a whole animal butchery before a lot of people did. He worked on humane, organically sourced meat. So people trust him. I mean, that's the first thing because honestly, I think a meat vending machine does sound a little gimmicky. So these prices, they're not like bargain. They're not, it's not like it's $5.99 for a steak, right. but maybe that's better, right? I think that would set up some alarm bells. The prices he told me, like twenty one ninety nine for ribeye. I'm not sure what size it is. It's got to be cheaper than what you're buying at a place where you have to worry about paying for people who are working, selling behind the counter. So it's a little bit cheaper, but it's not, it's not questionably, it's not like weirdly cheap.
0: Right. But, but as you said, you know, he has the cred. He does the whole animal breakdown. Oh. They source all their meat locally. So people that are in the community live within there. They like that stuff. They want to know that it's coming locally and it's staying there within the community. Their operation there is open from 11 to 6. So someone's on hand to answer any questions that you want. But as you said, it's 24 hours, the vending machines. But it's working. You know, they have to restock the meat multiple times a day, they've said. They're planning on expanding all over the place. That part of it, that business is working.
2: It's crazy. He thought when he did it, he was like, let's just do it. In fact, in the very beginning, he didn't even charge people for it. Like, I think he just wanted to see how it would work. Wow. And the demand was astonishing, I guess, if you're going to get free, good quality beef. Or pork, people will grab it. But then when he started actually charging for it, when he fitted it in these machines with credit card payment systems, he can't keep it in stock. And I think it represents like 70% of the sales now. It's been an off the chart hit. He sees it as a way to maybe combat problems in food deserts, but that's definitely pie in the sky because you have to be able to keep those stocks with freshly purveyed meat. But he has a dream and it's amazing, you know.
0: They do uh, beef, lamb, pork, ground beef, and they're going to expand into other stuff hot dogs, bacon, cold cuts, chicken, like the whole nine. And they're and
2: frozen. Exactly, and and I think he also. I think the very next thing that you're going to see is frozen because there's a big demand for frozen meat. People find themselves, as I said, it's a big vacation community, and so people might want to buy meat and take it home or store it. So
0: a new vending. They're coming. He's coming out with like a new line of vending machines that are supposed well, to be a little bit better, <laughs> a little more upgraded.
2: You're exactly right, Oscar. Like the ones he started with, like basically are the kind of commercial ones you'd see in prisons and and schools, <laughs> where if you've been in a prison and right. tried to get a sandwich, then you might be familiar, but these next ones, he's having them specially custom made. They cost like $30,000 each. And he said, it's going to be as exciting as when you first got your iPhone. That's how he's very excited about it.
0: (laughs) It kind of sounds like one of these things like, ah, meat, you know, getting steaks from a vending machine. It's just a, it's a gimmick and all this stuff, but you know, they're doing quality cuts. Obviously they, you know, they might not be the cheapest, but it is something that can catch on. And and if it's attached to the way he's doing it, I mean, he has his processing plant right there. This is just the method so they can cut all the costs. They don't have to really have a butcher on hand cutting the things. They're already working and breaking things down. I mean, it sounds like it could work. Can it work all across the country? Who knows? They're going to be expanding, but I wouldn't doubt seeing these in a lot of major cities.
2: I think you're exactly right. He's definitely coming into Manhattan in 2019 and he's hinted at other places that he's going to go into. So I
0: think like, he really believes in this. All right. right, we'll look out for the Applestone meat vending machines. Kate Crater, food editor at Bloomberg News. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Oscar. All right. That's it for this week. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on Twitter and Daily Dive Podcast on Facebook. Leave us a comment. Give us a rating and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow The Daily Dive on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The Daily Dive is produced by Miranda Moreno and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this was your Daily Dive.